Bibles with me this morning to Galatians chapter 2. The sermon comes from this text this morning. Every Sunday, we can expose ourselves to God's Word, hear it, read it. Um, Hopefully we do that during the week too, but every Sunday morning, just think, if every Sunday we open our Bibles, listen to it, steady diet of God's Word. You may like to read along with the person who's reading it. You may like to just listen. That's fair. They did that for 1,500 years before anybody could have their own Bible. Um, But let's open our ears and our hearts to the reading of God's Word. Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Paul writes, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, They saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. May God bless to our understanding the reading of this, his holy word. Amen. There are three things I want us to see in this section of Galatians. First, I want us to think about who the Lord has put before us, who the Lord has put us with to share his message. Paul and Peter both understood what people God had put before them and who he had put them with. And where they were to go. For Peter, it was to the circumcised, to the Jews. For Paul, it was to the uncircumcised world, to the Gentile, to the non-Jewish world. In verse 7, Paul says this. The leaders recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. Now true, there was some crossover. There wasn't like this brick wall dividing the two where Peter couldn't talk to a Gentile and Paul wasn't going to talk to any Jews. Indeed, Peter did do some ministry with Gentiles. Paul was known to go into the synagogues. 
But in general, in general, Peter was called to the Jews, Paul to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles. And the early church leaders recognized this and they entrusted them with these ministries. Now, our our culture, we're, we're not divided like that today between Jew and Gentile, but there are groups, people groups all around us. There are cultures, there are subcultures that we are a part of and that face us every day. Maybe you don't think God has called you to any particular people. I want to challenge that. God gave every Christian, Jesus gave every Christian the commission to go and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples. He gave it to all of us. Every Christian is commissioned by God to share his message. Just take that phrase. I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the and end it any way you want to with your particular group of people. I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to thee. Finish it with your life. Finish it with your situation. I've been entrusted with the task of preaching. And, and I use that word preaching in the widest sense of the word. It doesn't mean you're preaching in a church or from a pulpit but you're sharing, you're ministering. Who are the people God has set before you? Who has he entrusted you with? Where is your sphere of ministry? Where's your mission field? You may not be a preacher or a missionary or in so-called full-time Christian ministry in the formal sense, but we all speak the gospel with our words and with our actions in some form. Perhaps you've been entrusted with the task of bringing the gospel just to your family. Parents, are you a parent? Do you think that God wants you to share that message with your children? The message of his grace and love. Maybe you've been entrusted with the task of bringing the gospel to your workplace. These people that you rub elbows with all day long. And you spend your day with these co-workers. Or are you a Sunday school teacher with some of our children? Are you a youth leader? Maybe God has entrusted those children, those youth to you, to bring the gospel to them and to share of Christ with them. Maybe the people God has put before you are your neighbors. He's opened doors for you in relationships in your neighborhood with people that live around you to share that gospel. Are you to be Christ's person and share with the outdoor community, with the business community, with the elderly with postmodern thinkers, with those who are skeptical of Christian faith. Maybe it's immigrants and refugees. Maybe it's the poor and the homeless. Maybe it's the music or the art community. Maybe it's students. Maybe it's your quilting circle. Maybe it's your exercise class. Maybe it's the hunting community. Maybe it's the political world. might be though a large group of people. It might just be a one-on-one relationship. Paul knew who he was to go to. Peter knew who he was to go to. What people does God want you to go to? Where has he put you? And if you have no sense that God wants you to share his love and grace with anyone, ask him. Pray for the Lord to open your eyes to those around you who need to hear of his love. And then pay attention. 
to what he shows me. Okay, second. Now, understanding who God might have us with, send us to, takes discernment. We have to have a sense of it. But also, I think others should be able to back us up in that and tell us, yes, this is for you, and confirm it. Paul says, you know, the other leaders saw that he had been entrusted with the gospel to the Gentiles. They agreed, yet that's where God called him. God and human discernment work together uh, in the calling of Christ in our lives. Paul was certainly powerfully commissioned by God, by Jesus, but Peter and James and John were those that he used to confirm his call, and they encouraged him in it. We need discerning people who can... We need discerning people in our lives who can help us recognize, yeah, that's where you're supposed to be. This is where I think God has you. If someone says to you, gosh, you really have a gift with those children. Or someone says, you know, you just seem to have a knack with those people who are going through that particular struggle. Or maybe someone will say, you know, I think God wants you to be a friend to that person. Listen to that. Probably God putting those people in front of you. You need to pay attention how God might want to work through you. Or if you have a hunch that God may have something for you, run it by some people that you respect for their spiritual wisdom, for their faith, and say, you know, what do you think about this? See if they confirm it. I sense God nudging me towards this. Do you think it's true? Is that what you get to? Paul and Peter did it. Okay, third, and this is what I really want us to pay attention to this morning. Always know God is at work. Always know God is at work. Listen to how Paul describes his and Peter's mission fields. This is what he says. For God who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul Paul could see that God was at work in what he was doing, that God was at work in what Peter was doing. It wasn't all them. He didn't take the credit uh, for what was happening. No, it was God who was at work. I want to run through some verses. Paul writes about this many times in his letter. Uh, That God was at work and this conviction that he held uh, as he served Christ. It comes through again and again in his writings. When he writes to the Corinthians about the different ministries of himself and then another leader who was named Apollos. Paul writes this. He said, I planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the growth. So, he says, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who gives the growth. Paul recognizes, he gives the credit to God for what was happening, for any growth that was happening in the churches, for any growth that was happening in people's lives. He also writes to these Corinthians about spiritual gifts. You know, God gives all of us gifts. He gives all of us abilities, and he gives those to us to serve his church and to serve others. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God Who works all in all? Whatever gifts we have come from God. And when we use them, God works. 
In Ephesians, Paul says this. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or that we can imagine. God's powers at work within us. And when God is at work, things can happen beyond what we can imagine, beyond what we see happening, beyond what we can imagine happening. He can do so much more. In Philippians, Paul writes yet again, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to work, to will and to work for his good pleasure. Again, God at work within us, giving the ability to us what he wants us to do. Paul worked as hard as anybody when it came to the gospel. Uh, He expended tremendous energies, tremendous effort serving Jesus. And in his letter to the Colossians, he talks about how he proclaims Christ by warning everybody, by teaching, by doing all he can to present everyone mature in Christ. But then he adds this. And it's for this I toil and struggle with all the energy that he powerfully inspires within me. Paul recognized. It is God working within him, giving him the energy, giving him the inspiration that he needs. On the one hand, we work, we serve, we give, we do stuff for God. But yet it is God who is working within us. And we can't always figure out, nor can we always know, nor do we need to know which one is us and when it's God. Just know that whatever it is, when when we serve, when we teach when we share when we feed when we clothe when we serve it is god who's at work i think knowing that god is at work does at least two things for us number one knowing god is at work gives us tremendous freedom because it isn't all on our shoulders and the outcome is not totally we are not totally responsible for the outcome of whatever it is we are doing And sometimes when things don't go as we plan or as we expect, we can be free from condemning ourselves, trusting that somehow in some way God is moving. Sometimes we just have to say, Lord, look, this looks like a mess to me and uh, it looks like a loss. But I trust that you are working in ways that I can't see. And then we just leave it in his hands. Sometimes I find I, I try too hard. And I prepare and I plan and I pray and I give the effort. But then I forget, you know, no matter how hard I try, anything good that's going to come is by God's grace. It isn't all on me. It's God's work because he's working. Well, the second thing I think knowing that God is at work does for us, it gives us hope. If God is at work, it's never hopeless. Something is happening even when we can't see it. We don't always know what God is up to, but our work, our praying, even the smallest act done for Christ is never done in vain. All is not lost. Let me just take this simple sermon as an example. Right now, I am preaching. And you are listening. Well, some of you are listening. Okay, a few of you are listening. So I worked hard to think about this message, to prepare it, to study for it, to write it. But I believe that above and beyond my efforts, God is at work and he's at work beyond what I can know. And he will use this message in ways that I will never see. 
different people are going to receive or um, be affected by something heard in different ways. And the effects may not even come until days or weeks or months or who knows, maybe even years later. It might not even have anything to do with what I'm saying. He's at work in a thousand different ways, in different people, and in in encounters going on just in this church alone. And I will never know, never can know, all the way he works. On any given day, in any given situation, in any given life, God is at work. There's a lot happening underneath the surface, deep in, in people's minds and hearts, and in the spiritual realm, which can't even be accounted for. And isn't this why we pray? Because we believe God is at work. Prayer is inviting God into the situation or the circumstance. Prayer is putting it in God's hands. We pray because we trust that God is involved. We want him to be involved and we want that to happen to its fullest. Well, how can I tell, though, that God is at work? How can we tell? When people are being softened to Jesus. When people start asking questions, showing curiosity. When we see fruit, people responding to the Lord, desiring the Lord, becoming engaged with the Lord, doing things in line with the Lord. When we see things happening in line with this kingdom, in line with Jesus. We can know that God is at work. God is moving through the Holy Spirit, drawing, convicting, Purifying, refining, delivering, healing, strengthening, building, restoring. Who knows what else? But sometimes, sometimes, it looks like things have failed. And that God is just a million miles away. When there's a tragedy... We face adversity. It's particularly hard to believe sometimes God is at work. Paul had thought about this too. You know, Paul had a few obstacles in his life. He he went through some adversity, some great suffering. But he came to believe what he wrote in Romans 8. And these are some of the most loved, treasured words of many Christians. Paul said, and we know that in all things God works. For the good of those who love him. God's working. There it is again. God even works in the disappointments and in the hard things. He's working in the failures and the frustrations. He's working in darkness. He's working in the sorrows. Bad things cannot stop him. You know, when Joseph in the Old Testament was sold into slavery, it looked like Man, God was not even around, but indeed God was working. And eventually, years later, Joseph becomes a ruler in Egypt under Pharaoh. And it led to Joseph being able to help and to save his family in a time of famine. Sheila Dilworth, our friend at Nassau Theological College in Tanzania, sent me these words one time. I don't know if she wrote them or if she found them somewhere else. I can't remember. But it is such a good reminder when we think, when it seems, God is absent. When God seems absent, he rules despite our experiences. He rescues in impossible conditions. 
When one feels like running away, God uses the challenges to shape us anew. He hears, sees, remembers, and knows. When we feel inadequate, he reminds us whose we are in Christ and his adequacy. He increases our faith as we obey. He is committed to making his will happen. And we can never limit how and where God is at work. He is at work in different churches. He is at work in different ministries. He is at work in different places. God knew that Paul, Paul knew that God was working through what he was trying to do with the Gentiles. He knew that God was working through what Peter was trying to do with the Jews. And because God is at work, it's always a matter of grace. We've already seen in Galatians where Paul writes that people are called to the grace of Christ. And now Paul notes that when the leader saw his ministry that he was given, he says they recognized the grace given to me. He doesn't say they recognized how effective, how spectacular, how just deeply impressive we were. Paul doesn't say we were such hot stuff. They saw it right away. He doesn't refer to himself. He doesn't refer to his abilities at all. He attributes it to the grace of God. He says that's what they saw because that's what's been given to us. God allows us to participate with him in his work by his grace. He uses us. He works through us. He helps us. It is all by his grace. Man, it's a it's a good thing God is at work. Because if it was just left up to us, we would surely mess it up on our own, wouldn't we? You know, God is at work at this table. I really don't know how bread and the fruit of the vine, the grape juice becomes Christ's body and blood. But I trust that God does. And I trust that God is at work here. Forgiving us, showing us his salvation, loving us, touching us, putting into us the life of Jesus. Who knows what God is doing right now? Who knows what he will do through you and through me when we put ourselves at his disposal? I just know our great and glorious God is at work. And again, he is at work at this table, forgiving us, mysteriously moving through these elements. All people who are sorry for their sins and who know that their only hope, their forgiveness, their relationship with God only comes through Jesus Christ are welcome to this table. It is the table of the Lord. And all Christians are invited to come with gladness to share in the bread and the cup. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we praise you for your faithfulness.